Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama students and teachers. I'm Nick Waxman and today you will be treated to an interview we were fortunate enough to secure with John Bell. John Bell is a remarkable actor and creative. He is considered one of Australia's most prodigious talents and an expert on Shakespeare. He has worked with all major state theatre companies such as MTC and STC as a director or an actor. He founded Nimrod Theatre Company in Sydney and of course Bell Shakespeare Company. He studied at NIDA and for five years with the Royal Shakespeare Company. He published a book titled On Shakespeare in 2011 and it was a reflection on his 50 years working with the Bard's Words. He has been awarded an OM, an AO and an OEB. He has won a Helpman Award. His likeness won an Archibald Prize and in 2016 he was named Humanist of the Year. He has received many other awards and accolades but the last one I will mention is that he was named an official Australian living treasure. Today, we will be speaking with John Bell about working with Shakespeare. John Bell, thank you for your time today. What do you think is the key to creating a Shakespearean performance for a modern audience? Um, I think what, what you have to understand is, is the context of the piece. Um, why Shakespeare wrote it in the first place, what he was trying to achieve by writing it, and um, the time he was living in. So um, once you get your head around that, you say, okay, so how do we make that today? If he was talking about um, revenge or about um, clan warfare or about assassination attempts or um, families feuding, um, etc., etc., or superstition or witchcraft or, or um, black magic. Uh, where today do we look for that? Where do we find that context? So you could take, say, Romeo and Juliet and set that, set that in a number of different locations where uh, two teenage ages are um, not allowed to meet because their families are fighting for whatever reason. You know, um, there were productions some years ago set in Northern Ireland, for instance, between Catholics and Protestant families, for instance. Uh, there have been productions where um, one comes from a white family, one's from a black family. You know, there's obviously conflict there. Uh, and even more subtle um, uh, um, exchanges of, um, of division within the community where people aren't, aren't supposed to communicate, let alone um, fall in love with each other. So you find the right context and then a lot of things start making sense. I think if you're studying the play, um, you need to... First of all, get a handle on, on the story, what the narrative is, and the um, and and who all the characters are, and little by little, lead yourself into the language. Um, but you have to understand the language um, pretty thoroughly to get the full uh, value of it. And that's why there are so many good editions of Shakespeare. I think that have very good uh, footnotes and. Um, and commentary and uh, glossaries and so on. Uh, and uh, I think that's, you know, that's fairly recent. Um, we didn't, back in my day, have such good editions to work from uh, and editions that also reference a different number of productions uh, of comparing and contrasting various ways of approaching a play like Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet or Macbeth, for instance. So I think things have been made much easier for students by having some very good uh, texts to work from. But of course, the best way is to see a good production of a play, uh, having some idea of what you're going to see, but uh, let, it, let it hit you. And uh, whether it's a television production or a, a movie version, or better still a good stage version, and you see it live, 
that's the best possible introduction. Fantastic. Now, I've only been with Shakespeare for 10 years of my life, or maybe maybe a few more. You're a, you're you, a beginner. Yeah, uh-huh. you've had Shakespeare for a while. Uh-huh. And even I get asked this question, it's impossible. So I'm right. throwing an unfair <laughs> one. Do you have a favorite piece? And why would it be your favorite piece? I've got about 37 favorite yeah. pieces. Next. <laughs> and uh, at different times in your, in your life, they mean different things to you. Um, at some times, uh, the history plays seem very, very relevant and important to us um, because of what's happening in the world around us, and they really relate very closely. A uh, play like Julius Caesar is always relevant. Um, the, the politics of uh, assassination and political infighting are always there. It's easy to set that place in play in Canberra. Everyone always says, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's 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 Canberra for you." Um, other times, the comedies. Uh, seem the most kind of um, meaningful about life because they're so joyful and full of um, discovery about love and sex and youthfulness. And sometimes the tragedies really hit home at some stage in your life because you are facing those very big questions uh, of moral concerns and, um, you know, uh, the meaning of life and uh, how much life you've got left to live. I suppose of all of them, King Lear is the most, in a way, the most, uh, the most daunting, but also the most profound and rich and um, confusing and disturbing and exciting. Uh, there's no other play like it. No one else has dared go that far uh, in just looking into the capabilities of, uh, of humans to, to uh, mistreat each other, the, kind of the, the, the depths of suffering and, um, and misery that can, can happen you know, in a lifetime. Uh, it's, it's, I don't think I've ever seen a fully successful production of King Lear. It's almost too big for us to, to cope with, um, whereas other, other tragedies are a little more domestic and, and more life-size, King Lear is somehow the most monumental. Directors tend to recontextualise Shakespeare productions. What are your thoughts on this? I think it's, it's difficult to, um, it's more difficult for us to relate to a play when it's, when it's set in, in, that, in, in ancient times. Um, it, can work. I have seen some very good productions done that way. Um, but there's a lot of um, self-consciousness in the cast. Well, how do I wear this costume? What are the gestures appropriate? Um, what is the, the social behaviour of these characters? Put it into modern dress and you haven't got those problems. If you do Romeo and Juliet with about teenagers today, wherever you set it, they've got no worries about, well, how do I, how do I behave? How do I act? How do I gesture? You know, because it's, it comes naturally. And uh, there's something more exciting about seeing a play that um, uh, is, is topical, not just relevant, but topical, and, and takes on current issues. Um, for instance, um, a play like uh, Merchant of Venice is a very disturbing play, not only because of the anti-Semitism that is expressed, but uh, a lot of other prejudices against other nationalities are also expressed by characters in that play. So it's very challenging. It was challenging when Shakespeare wrote it. It was, was meant to be disturbing and provocative, and it still is today. If you put Merchant of Venice into a fancy dress, uh, it somehow loses that sting. If you do it in modern dress, and you see, oh my God, uh, colour prejudice, anti-Semitism, all those things are still alive and thriving, that makes the play really uh, hit home. You think, yeah, we haven't got far in 400 years, we're still having those same kind of, um, you know, uh, civil disturbances and problems. 
Do you think it's important to find a character you can relate to when you're studying a play like Romeo and Juliet or A Midsummer Night's Dream? Oh, yeah, I think it's, it's a great idea. Um, um, I've always tended to head for the clowns and the, sort of the, the more grotesque characters myself. I find them very interesting. Um, but I think um, those plays you mentioned do, do talk to young people very directly. Um, somehow with Shakespeare, I find that it's often his um, characters who are the ones who are marginalised, who are his most, his most vital characters, like Shylock in The Merchant of Venice, or Caliban in The Tempest, or Richard III, because he's crippled and uh, disfigured and therefore despised. Those characters have a vitality about them uh, because they are marginalised and they have to sort of fend for themselves. They've got a life force in them that um, you know is very, very commanding. And they're the ones that uh, I think actors are most drawn to because they've got that tremendous um, uh, vivacity and, and exuberance about them. You yourself won a Helpman Award in 2003 for Richard III. Apart from King Lear, it's your, one of your most favourite plays. Is Richard III your favourite character? Yes, yes, he is in the Shakespeare canon, uh, certainly. Um, because he's the, the he's the maverick, he's the outsider, and he's cleverer than all the other characters. He can really sort of dance all around them and uh, bloom all over their eyes. And uh, it's a bit of a holiday to play someone really evil. You know, you can let your sort of uh, self fantasize about you know, what it would be like to sort of dominate people like that. Uh, so it's precarious and it's harmless, <laughs> but because you know it's going to end badly for him anyway. Like all those gangster movies where they have a great time and they all get shot at the end. Or, you know, uh, and, it, and the audience applauds both. They applaud the good time and they applaud justice being done, as they do with Richard III. But uh, I think any actor would, would, I won't say killed when I play Richard III, but more or less. How do you come to your first bit of written Shakespeare? I think uh, if you can find a piece of text you really like, reciting to yourself or saying to yourself or something that really appeals to you. You love the imagery or the, or the, or the comedy of it or the, just the, the, the romance of it. You find a little piece of text you really like. Uh, it's often the key to a way in, you know, some, some particular speech that really appeals to you. And then go backwards and start from the top and work your way through. But as I said, uh, if you have a really good uh, text to work from with, with footnotes and commentary, all those things, photographs, pictures, any sort of visual aid as to how it might look and how it might be staged, and just put yourself into the, into the, into the uh, situation. And just a little bit of background about the play itself, when it was written and why, and uh, the impact it had originally. We forget how startling these plays were when they were first done. Nothing like them had ever been seen before. And the, the impact on the audience was tremendous. And uh, I suppose the, the aim of any director with a Shakespeare play today or an opera is to try and rediscover that impact. What was the original shock value? Why is the play still so alive when thousands of others have sunk into oblivion? 37 of Shakespeare's plays are still being performed you know, 400 years later regularly. So they've got something about them that is, uh, has the life force. And our life force is relevance, themes, ageless, beautiful poetry. Is that Passion, something? humour, uh, and insight into the way people really think and how people, what makes people tick. He understood people better than anybody else. And of the 37 of your favourites, is there one you've yet to mount and would you like to mount it? Uh, yeah, look, uh, yes. 
Um, there are a number. I've only done about uh, 28, I think, out of the 37, so there's still quite a few that, to go. Um, but uh, I guess uh, I've never directed King Lear. I've played it, but I've never directed it, and that would be a real challenge. I'm and not sure I'll get around to it, but it's a, it's a challenge I would like to take on. Oh, well, and we hope it's on the playlist when that happens. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for your time today. Right, pleasure, Nick. Thank you very much indeed. Well, there you have it, John Bell on Shakespeare. We interviewed John Bell about his upcoming production of Madame Butterfly, presented by Opera Australia. So feel free to have a listen to that interview or pick another episode that tickles your fancy. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here and thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music. Please do not hesitate in emailing us a question at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thanks for listening.